We're going to talk about Daniel determined to do what was right. You know, there's some characteristics and some traits in the life of Daniel that are so important, they need to be possessed by each and every one of us. Daniel was a man of courage. He used a lot of courage when he found himself in difficult situations. He was a man of commitment. That is, whenever it took time for him to make a decision, he already knew the God that he served, and he was committed to doing what that God would have him to do. And he was a man of conviction. He knew what he believed, and he was convinced that God's way was right and it was true. We often speak of needing good role models in our lives. Particularly as we speak to our young people, we will tell them, find a good person and let that person be the role model that you use as a pattern to try to make your life good. Those of us who are older also need some role models. And you begin with the life of Daniel, as we will notice in our first point this morning. Daniel started out young, but by the time we get to our fourth point, Daniel will be an old man. And Daniel still was a man determined to do what was right. We're going to talk about how he refused to eat the king's food in chapter 1. How he revealed the king's dream in chapter 2. And then along with that's part of chapter 4. We will notice how he read the handwriting on the wall in chapter 5. And then how he rejected an unrighteous commandment in chapter 6. Take your Bibles and let's study together. Daniel had been taken captive to serve as a wise man in King Nebuchadnezzar's court. In 606 B.C., the Babylonians came to Judah, surrounded the city of Jerusalem, and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And they took captive a number of those young princes. And he took one young man among many others, and they were committed to the prince of eunuchs. I would like you to imagine, here's one day you are a part of the royal family. You are able to make choices and you live a life of privilege. Tomorrow you have been taken captive. You've been taken to a land far, far away, to a culture which you do not know, and taught in a language which you do not understand to become a servant of someone else. There was a prescribed regimen of both food and training for them. We read in Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and to whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wines which he drank, and three years of training for them 
so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Daniel was a man chosen among others. We know of the other three friends of his. But there's little doubt what would have happened if Daniel had just said, I won't go, I won't serve, I won't be a part of this, then certainly his life would have been brought to an end. In fact, Daniel's refusal to eat this food was something that concerned the prince of eunuchs. He wasn't really ready to go along with that idea because we read in verse 10 that he said, If the king should see your faces looking worse than the young men who are of your age, that would endanger my head before the king. So certainly as we look and see what Daniel is doing here, he would take on a very serious matter And we need to realize that the king would have killed not only Daniel, but also Ashpenaz as the one who was ruler. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Notice particularly verse 8, the text that was read for us just a few moments ago. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. The word purposed of heart indicates that a person already has planned within their mind. They've already got their mind made up what they're going to do. It's used, for instance, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, where the Apostle Paul says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, a person who plans ahead what they're going to give. Maybe you sit down on Saturday night. Maybe you planned at the beginning of the year how much you feel like you can give to the Lord, how much you want to give to the Lord, what you want to do. That's the idea of purposing in heart. And such is the purpose of why you and I study God's Word. We take God's Word into our mind. We learn it. We let it affect us. And then David would say in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. We make up our mind and say, I'm going to make my mind up now. I'm going to do what is right. But Daniel did not want to defile himself. To eat and to drink the food and the drink of the king would have been a defilement. Daniel was a Jew. He was under the law of Moses. The law of Moses was quite clear about what a person could and could not eat. Peter reflects that in Acts chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, when he sees a vision being let down of a sheet coming out of heaven, and it had on it all kinds of four-footed beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. Peter was told to rise, Peter, kill and eat, and he said, Not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. Daniel was saying, I will not eat anything that is unclean. I will not drink any drink which I am not supposed to drink. You see, our young people today are going to be faced. They're going to encounter a number of challenges, a number of temptations placed before them. Young people, there will be a time, and it will come in your life, when someone will sit alcohol in front of you and say, You need to 
Go ahead and participate with us. Drink with us some. And that is to defile yourself. That is to partake in something that which God has not approved. Young ladies, there will be a young man come along one of these days and want to allure you, to tempt you into doing something with your body that you ought not do. You need to be like Daniel. You need to have already determined in your heart, determined in your mind that I will not do that which is wrong in God's sight. Let's move along. Let's come to chapter 2. And we're going to read about King Nebuchadnezzar having some very disturbing dreams. In chapter 2, verse 1, we read, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. I would guess perhaps every one of us have had a nightmare that woke us up sometime during the night. And after we have been awakened from that dream that has somehow disturbed us, we have difficulty going back to sleep. But Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and it is so significant that he can't sleep after this dream. What he did, he commanded, demanded of his wise men that they not only tell him the interpretation of the dream, but they tell him what he had dreamed as well. You can imagine the response in chapter 2, verse 10. They said, no man on earth can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. This is beyond a person's ability. But what happens? Daniel does. Daniel reveals the dream. Daniel gives the interpretation of it. And he gives credit to God for doing so. One of us might would ask the question, though, well, why would that be so courageous of Daniel to say that to King Nebuchadnezzar? Well, first of all, he had already commanded, already ordered that all of the magicians, the wise men, be killed. In verses 12 and 13, it says, in verse 13, so the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Nebuchadnezzar is angry. Nebuchadnezzar is not going to tolerate much more to offend him. But here's the key. You see, when Daniel interprets that vision, that great image, and he talks about you, O king, are the head of gold, and after yours shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, He's talking about the Medo-Persians. Following them would be another kingdom, which would be the Grecian Empire. And then finally, the fourth kingdom would be that of the Romans. And then you come to verse, 20, or verse 44, where he says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever. O King Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom will fall, and other people will take over. But there will be a kingdom that will stand, and it won't be yours. 
you would might think that the king would react in a negative way. Daniel didn't know how the king would react. All he knows is that he is going to tell the king the answer. Verse 47, Truly your God is the God of gods, the King of Lord of kings, and the revealer of secrets, that you could reveal this secret. But you might think that's where it stops, but it doesn't. You go to chapter 4 and you look at verse four, uh, verses 10 through 14 of chapter 4. And there's going to be another dream dreamed and it's going to be that of a tree being chopped down. I want you to imagine this tree that Daniel describes. He says, these were the visions of my head while I was on my bed. And I was looking and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its height reached into the heavens and it could be seen to all the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade in it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down out of heaven. He cried aloud and said, Chop down the tree. Cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit, lest the beast get out from under, let the beast get out from under it, and the birds from its branches. Here's the killer. Nebuchadnezzar's the tree. Daniel has a vision that the tree's chopped down, but Nebuchadnezzar's the tree. How would you like to deliver that vision to the king? The interpretation of it even bothered Daniel. In chapter 4, verse 19, he said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you. And its interpretation concern your enemies. Daniel knows, but Daniel is going to tell him the truth. Such could have meant his death. Now move with me now to chapter 5. You get to chapter 5, Daniel not only served Nebuchadnezzar, but his son Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar has gone, now there's a new king, and this king gave a drinking party where they all got drunk. Chapter 5, verse 4, they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Oh, they're just in a drunken mess here. And then what happens? There appears a hand or fingers writing on the wall and the reaction of it is really interesting. I imagine some of us would probably have a similar reaction. What if on this wall all of a sudden there was to appear a writing and it said something that we needed to hear? Verses 5 and 6 in the same hour the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw part of the hand that wrote, and then the king's countenance changed. And his thoughts troubled him, and the joint of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. He's scared to death. Here's a man who realizes there's a message in this. 
Daniel interpreted the message, which was not very encouraging to Belshazzar. What was written there was, Mene, Mene, Tico, Yepharsin. And the interpretation of each word, Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tico, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Oh, Belshazzar, your kingdom's over. Days are numbered, your days' numbers are up. Your kingdom is going to be ripped away from you because God has weighed your life and found you're wanting, you're not measuring up. And it's going to be divided to somebody else. Number four, Daniel rejected an unrighteous law. If you turn over with me now to chapter 6 in the book of Daniel, we're going to see another event take place. Daniel has proved himself to be a very honest and trustworthy person. He's lived all of his life as the kind of man that you could put your confidence in. In verses 1 through 3 we read, Please Darius to set up a kingdom of 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors and satraps because of the excellent spirit that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Daniel's a good man. Daniel's an old man. He's lived past the Nebuchadnezzar. He lives past Belshazzar. Now he's Darius is the king. And, uh, but not everybody likes Daniel. Because Daniel is such a good man, they're trying to find some way to politically climb above him. But they're not able to do so. Daniel is such a good man can't find anything wrong with him. Verses 4 and 5, it says they wanted to find some charge against him, but verse 4, the latter part says, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. You can't find anything against Daniel. All thing you can do is try to find something about him and his worship of his God. And so these persuade the king to pass an ordinance, a law that says no one can pray to any other God other than the king. Now how does Daniel respond to that? He rejected the authority of an unrighteous law. Daniel said, I don't have to be subject to this law. And look at verse 10 of chapter 6. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God as was his custom since early days. Ah, Daniel's a man who's not going to change his faith 
He's not going to give up on his religion simply because someone says you can't do that. As a result, Daniel was cast into a den of lions. King didn't want to have to do that. He had such love and appreciation for Daniel. He knew he had been set up. But the law of the Medes and the Persians does not change. It does not alter. He had to keep his commandment. But he was concerned for Daniel. The Lord shut the mouths of those lions. Daniel survived to the morning time. And the truth is, is that man is never obligated to obey a law that's contrary to God's. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles were told not to preach in Jerusalem. They were told not to do various things by the chief priests and the scribes, and the response of Peter and John was very simple. They said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now very briefly... What are some lessons to learn from this life of Daniel, a man determined to do what was right? You must make your decision in front, early. A man already decides what he's going to do so that when he is confronted with the situation, he knows what he is going to do. Will we always be perfect in that? No. But the more you and I spend in time preparing ourselves, you know, young people, you're going to go to school and some of you are going to be confronted with some false teachings. You're certainly going to be confronted with some temptations to do things which are not right. Prepare your mind in advance. Number two, one must tell seekers of truth what God says regardless of of how they will receive it. Daniel never changed the message for Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar. He revealed directly, correctly, and simply what God had said. There will be people who sometimes, who will come to us and we may feel like, well, maybe I need to take a little of the edge off of it. Maybe I need to soften it just a little bit. So they will receive it. Daniel didn't do that. Daniel told the truth of God's word just like God wanted it spoken. No one has the right to overrule the laws of God. Doesn't matter if it's King Nebuchadnezzar. Doesn't matter if it's the president of our country. Doesn't matter if it's the United Nations or the Supreme Court. God's law is always supreme and above and beyond all the laws of man. But we have to realize sometimes there's consequences to doing what is right. Daniel was determined, I'm going to do what's right. What if this happens? I'm still going to do what's right. What if you're thrown into the lion's den? I'm still going to do what's right. Daniel's courage, his commitment, and his conviction served him all his life. From the time he was that young man taken captive to Babylon, 
to the time he was an old man serving in the court of Darius. Why not be like a Daniel? Make it your aim to serve God. And whether you're young or whether you're old, I want to end with what I think is a, a very powerful passage. The wise man Solomon, trying to get man to see his place and, and when and how he ought to do things, says very simply in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now your Creator. In the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. We have a lot of young people here in this congregation. Many of you have not yet confronted some of the most difficult things you're going to face in life. Let me tell you something. Making a commitment young in life And living up to that commitment all the days of your life will bring you to the end like Daniel. An old man who has served God in a difficult situation and a difficult place, but done so with honor and integrity. Make your mind up as a young person who says, I'm not going to take that drink when they offer it to me. I'm not going to get involved into illicit affairs. I'm going to be loyal and true to my husband, my wife, all the days of our marriage. I'm going to be a a good employee. I'm never going to tell a lie. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to be a Christian. You see, this morning... You can make a decision. You can be determined to do what is right. If you understand the difference between right and wrong, if you understand what sin is and the fact that you have violated God's law, Jesus calls on you to believe on Him, to repent of your sins, to confess your faith in Him, and then to be baptized. And in doing so, the Bible says your sins are washed away. At that point, you are clean, pure, and holy before God. You can live from that point forward striving to be faithful every day. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we fail. And in that case, God calls us to come back home. We're going to sing the song, Hark the Gentle Voice of Jesus Falls on Our Ears. That gentle voice is calling you. Will you respond as we stand and sing?